In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you're listening to St. Mark and Bemidji's podcast, a program that invites you to stop and take a second look at God's Word four times a week. Today, and for the next several weeks, we're going to continue our liturgy study. Liturgy is a fancy word for the way we conduct ourselves in a divine service, but there's so much more to it than just fancy words. Every bit of a traditional Lutheran liturgy is literally packed with ways that God wants to serve, yep, I said that right, God serves us. And how do we respond? With gratitude, for what God has done for us is inconceivably merciful, good, and loving. Today, we take a look at the second high point of the service, Holy Communion. Of all the topics I've ever had spirited conversations with other Christians on, this is the one that I've spent the most time on. It is probably the most misunderstood aspect of our liturgy. So we're about to get rolling, and I'd like to invite you to continue with us today on our study. And if you're interested, maybe you want to listen on to some of the other past episodes on this same topic. This morning, we find in our liturgy the service of Holy Communion. With the preface, the pastor and congregation prepare themselves for the Lord's presence in Holy Communion. We begin, The Lord be with you, and with your spirit. We have already discussed this salutation, which first takes place just before the collect of the day. Let us just note that, in connection with the angel's announcement to Mary in Luke 1, how fitting to repeat this salutation as the Lord is about to be bodily present with his people in his supper. Lift up your hearts. We lift them unto the Lord. The meaning is that, as those present have had their hearts cleansed by the Lord, as recognized in the offertory, this is now an announcement and recognition that God's people are about to enter Christ's very presence at the altar. Though this little phrase is not a passage of Scripture, an interesting background passage to examine is Lamentations 3. In this text, Jeremiah rejoices in God's mercy and kindness, despite the destruction of Jerusalem. He writes, Let us search out and examine our ways, and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. The larger context is that God refuses to hear the prayers of his disobedient people, and he is no longer present with them. In fact, the text declares that the Lord has covered himself so that he no longer hears their prayers in verse 43 and 44. The people of God, therefore, lift their hearts in confession of their sin. Jeremiah will go on to say, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sighing, for my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called on you and said, Do not fear. O Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul. You have redeemed my life. To the penitent people of God, the Lord now draws near to grant them forgiveness, life, and salvation in the sacrament. This is glorious news. The Lord does not hide his face from his people, nor does he refuse to hear their prayers. For the sake of Jesus, he pleads their case and declares them not guilty. For the sake of Jesus, he draws near with grace. For the sake of Jesus, he hears the Lord's prayer that the congregation will soon pray, 
lift up your hearts. Then let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is meet and right so to do. It is indeed meet or appropriate, right or proper, and salutary or beneficial, valuable, to give thanks to God, especially because He is present among His people for their good. This truth is proclaimed throughout the Scriptures. The Word and the presence of God are consistently together. The people are bidden in Scripture, Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship always takes place in the very presence of God. God's grace and presence are intertwined themes for the people of God while the world suffers judgment for rejecting God's grace. The congregation is thus bidden to give thanks to God. In faith, they respond that it is indeed proper to do so. The proper preface follows. Different seasons of the church year have been appointed for them different proper prefaces. As the introit and collect for the day give a brief summary of the day's theme, the proper preface gives a brief summary of the season's theme. However, the proper preface does more than that. It serves as a bridge between the season and the presence of God on that Sunday in Holy Communion. Each proper preface expands on this great mystery, that the God described within them is present with His people, in, with, and under the bread and wine. For example, the proper preface for the season of Advent reads, it is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to Thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty Everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, whose way John the Baptist prepared, proclaiming Him the Messiah, the very Lamb of God, and calling sinners to repentance that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when He cometh again in glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels... The proper preface for the Advent declares the mystery of the Incarnation, that, as prophesied, the Son of God took on human flesh to call us to repentance and deliver us from sin. Christ consented to the Incarnation, knowing that many would mistreat, wound, and even crucify Him. He did it anyway, to save His people. This same very Lamb of God promises and accepts to be present in the sacrament today to deliver us from the wrath of God by giving to us the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. The eternal depth of the proper preface might just blow right past you until you see that the liturgy lacks something without it. The proper preface sets Christ exactly at the center of the Lord's Supper. A church that does not confess the real presence of Christ in the sacrament probably won't spend much time in their order of service, magnifying Christ at this point, but more than likely will and do use this time to emphasize that the sacrament is all about the unity of believers. Thus, the focus quickly shifts to the guests of the feast instead of on the host who has died and risen to provide it. Our liturgy does not lose the keen focus on the host. Then we sing... Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, 
evermore praising thee and saying, These words express a profound truth and added blessing of the real presence of Christ among his people. To put it simply, at the Lord's Supper, heaven and earth come together. Christ is present with his church triumphant in heaven, and he is present with his church militant that remains on earth. Because he is present with both at the altar, the church triumphant and the church militant are together in Christ. Next to the joyous and comforting news of the resurrection of the dead, these words are of great significance. It is perhaps the greatest comfort that the church can proclaim to those grieving the death of those who have died in the faith because they are all part of the all the company of heaven. Although they remain on earth and their loved ones are in heaven, together they sing the praises of God in the presence of God. They kneel really truly, and actually before the same Christ at the same time. So understand, when the congregation sings the Sanctus, it is not singing in preparation for the heavenly chorus that awaits. Christians gathered for the Lord's Supper literally are singing with the angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven. Thus the Lord's Supper is truly a foretaste of heaven. Christ is present with us, and we sing in unity with the heavenly host. Thus the Christian who comes into the presence of God in the Lord's Supper has a foretaste of heaven while still on earth. On this side of the grave, it is as real as it can be. And speaking of this side of the grave, it is interesting that in Scandinavian Lutheran churches, the communion rail is traditionally curved in the shape of a semicircle, or at least part of a semicircle. The reason is quite profound. The rail is part of a circle because it is part of a circle that extends past the altar and into eternity. It symbolizes that those communing at that altar are joined by the angels, archangels, and the whole company of heaven. During a funeral sermon, then, the pastor may very well say of the one who has died, he is not dead, but he now worships from the other side of the altar. It is also interesting to note that Many gravestones of early Christians were engraved with, Remember Me, which was not a reference to them, but a direct reference to the Lord's Supper, where they would be together with their Christian loved ones in Christ. More next time, my friends. We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again, www.stmarkbemidji.org All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. 
Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. salvation free lasting to eternity